You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Well, good morning, C3 Livestream family, and welcome to our special edition uh, weekend Memorial Day service. We are just uh, so excited to have you joining us, whether you're joining us live stream on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. We're so happy to be able to connect with you like this. Uh, just thanking God for technology that we have the opportunity to connect like this. And I, something about this uh, COVID experience um, has kind of taught me this, this positive principle in the midst of all of this, that the church is most certainly still functioning and healthy, even though we aren't in the same building. And I'm just so thankful for technology for answering many of our prayers. I know that you've heard this as much as I have, especially if you've grown up in a church context that we have heard the principle stated over and over again, the church is more than four walls. I know, right? Come on, somebody else has got to hear that aside from me. But growing up, I always heard that statement, the church is more than a building, the church is more than four walls and we've said it for years now, but now we are experiencing that principle coming to pass. Hey, let's dive into it today. We're continuing our series based off of the Beatitudes. What are the Beatitudes? The Beatitudes are characteristics that Jesus taught about on his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, these are five characteristics that I want you to grow in. And as a result of you growing in these five characteristics, it will open your life up to receive the blessing of God. Here's the deal. When Jesus gives us principles to obey, when he gives us, he, when he gives us an outline and says, I want you to do th- these things, it inevitably leads to blessing whenever we listen to the words of Jesus. Whenever we listen to what he tells us, when he says, I want you to grow in this, there's blessings that follow what Jesus tells us to do and not to do. Why is that? Because we are his creation and he knows what works best for his creation in order for us to function properly. And so he gives us this sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain teaches us to grow in these these five, or excuse me, these eight to nine, if you want to get technical, uh, attitudes. He says, I want you to grow in these areas of your life. And he doesn't teach them at random, but he teaches it kind of like how a chain is linked from one link to the next. The first uh, set of Beatitudes deal with the condition of our heart. The second set deals with our relationship to the Lord. And the third set deals with our relationship with others. So once again, he teaches the Beatitudes in this format, the condition of the heart, our relationship with Jesus, which ultimately leads us in how we have uh, healthy relationships or how we should have healthy relationships with others. So the first uh, Beatitude that we're talking about today, uh, if you've missed uh, some of the Beatitudes in this series, I encourage you to go back to our archives, check them out, watch them. But today we're picking up in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful. Jesus said this, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, what is mercy? So if we're going to talk about having mercy, we have to have a bullseye. We have to have a target. This is what mercy is. This is what mercy isn't. So what is mercy? Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who it is well within one's power to punish or harm. I'm going to say that one more time. 
Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is well within one's power to punish or harm. Here's the reality. You and I have received a mass amount of mercy through the cross. We've received mercy from God and therefore we get to experience a renewed life in Jesus Christ. The moment that you gave your heart to Jesus, that was a mercy moment. Why? Because we recognize at that moment when we said, Jesus, be the Savior of my life. I recognize you as the Messiah. I put my hope, my faith in you. And that moment, we were shown mercy because Jesus took the penalty of our sin. We've received mercy from God because we get to experience uh, freedom from the punishment of sin. We experience a relationship with Jesus and the God who created you. And as that relationship grows, you get to know your creator. That's mercy. Wisdom and guidance in life. We freely receive wisdom and guidance in life from the Holy Spirit, from this relationship with Jesus Christ. That's mercy. The fact that we have access to these things is proof of the mercy that you and I get to enjoy daily. The list goes on and on of blessings that we've been given. Why? Because Jesus Christ showed us mercy. Just as we have been given mercy, you and I are called to show mercy. Once again, just as you and I have been shown mercy, we are therefore called to show others mercy. So what does it mean to be a man or a woman of mercy? What does it mean in the daily life of a believer here in 2020 during the COVID crisis of 2020? What does it mean to be a man or a woman of mercy? First, it means this. It means that we give people a second chance. One more time. It means that we give people a second chance. To show mercy means that when somebody offends us, when somebody makes a mistake, that you and I extend enough mercy that we give them another chance time and time again. That you and I welcome them back with open arms. Here's one of the things that I've noticed about our culture, which kind of teaches us to, uh, let's just say this kindly, our culture teaches us in many ways to how to not show mercy. For example, I can't help but notice that in our day and age, we are consumed with the principle of, of I want justice. Our, our, our nation is consumed. All it takes is just a quick Google search or a, a, a couple news articles to open up. And you'll notice that we are consumed with wanting justice. We want to get even. Justice must be served. But here's one of the realities that I've come to realize through noticing these things. Noticing that we constantly want justices. As a culture, we are extremely slow to show mercy. So I ask you this question. Follow me. What if we showed mercy just as much as we demanded justice? I'm going to say that one more time. What if you and I, as the body of Christ, showed mercy, demanded that mercy be shown just as much as we demanded and called for justice? Hear me out. I'm not saying that we excuse certain behaviors and dismiss them. Focus on the family. Christian Counseling Company said, just because you understand the behavior does not mean that you dismiss it. And that's kind of my heart with this. But in our culture, we are so 
quick to not only demand justice, but demand the execution that follows it. Here's what I mean by that. We find out that somebody has a flaw or a mistake in their life, and it's not just a matter of demanding justice. It's write them off, exclude them from society. They're not worth the very oxygen that I share with them. What if we showed mercy just as much as we demanded justice? What would your life look like personally, relationally? What would your life look like if you were so quick that your first instinct was to not only recognize that, there, uh, that, that there's a, a behavioral issue, yes, absolutely, but you also extended mercy in the process? I heard a quote one time that said this, the church has a unique opportunity right now here in 2020. It has the chance to be the only place that you can find forgiveness nowadays. The church has a unique opportunity right now in 2020. It has the chance to be the only place that you can find forgiveness nowadays. Forgiveness in many ways is just another word for mercy. You and I have a unique opportunity because we not only recognize that our culture is harsh, our culture is quick to write somebody off, dismiss them because a mistake was made. We not only have the opportunity to give second chances, but we have the opportunity to show the culture around us what mercy looks like. What if, follow me on this line of thinking, what if church was known in our country, in our state, in our county, in our town? What if the church was known for the mercy that is extended? What if the church was known that that's the place you go to? If you have a horrible track record, if you've made mistakes like we all have, are you hearing me? If, we have, if, if you have made mistakes like we all have, then you go to this place because these Christians show you the love of Jesus and the mercy of Jesus. They, not, they don't hold your record of wrongs over your head, but they forgive you and they move forward in the here and now. What would our church life look like if we were known not for what we were against, but for the mercy that we extended where we said we recognize the behavior, but we also have a solution and the solution has a name and his name is Jesus. And so out of relationship with Jesus, I not only recognize these, these uh, uh, mistakes that you've made, but they're forgiven. I'm going to show you mercy and we're not even going to talk about it. We're just going to move forward in your relationship with Jesus. What would the church look like with a reputation like like that because friends we have an opportunity here and now to be the only place that the world around us can find true forgiveness being a man or woman of mercy means that we give people a second chance it means this secondly it means that we strive to build bridges rather than burn them one more time it means that we strive to build bridges rather than burn them I can't put an emphasis on this, bold it, highlight it, underline it, that we have an opportunity, friends. In a culture that burns bridges relationally, that teaches to get even, that teaches, you know what, uh, do unto others before they do it to you is kind of what the world teaches us. You and I have an opportunity here to build a bridge relationally into the lives of people around us and extend mercy. How do I build a bridge? You look for common ground rather than looking for a flaw. You look for common ground rather than being a fault finder. 
Nowhere in the Bible do I see where Jesus says, and you have this task to find every flaw in the individuals around you. Building a bridge means that we intentionally build relationships with people who don't know Jesus. For far too long, the church has just kind of said, you know what, once you come to know Jesus, you stay within your group. You stay within your Christian group. You don't uh, uh, mingle with those who don't know Jesus. Too long that that false teaching has been taught. It's a new day and age, and it's time for us to build bridges into the lives of the broken world around us, that we not only recognize that it's broken, but we have an action step to extend mercy and embrace one another. Lastly, mercy puts needs before failures. I'm going to say that one one more time. Mercy puts needs before failures. An excellent representation of this is when Jesus was on the cross and he said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. That was Jesus recognizing our failures and putting a need before the failure. Here's the reality is, There are many people who have deeply rooted failures. They're just offensive. But here's what I've come to realize. Offensive people have spiritual needs. Offensive people have brokenness. It's an old cliche saying that that still stands true today. Hurting people hurt people. We shouldn't be surprised when the world around us that doesn't know Jesus acts like they don't know Jesus. It shouldn't surprise us, but in the same manner, we should be willing to build a bridge that we recognize the failures, yes, but we also put the need for Jesus above those failures. That's mercy. Let's recognize the needs in a person's life before we hold their failure over their head. Let's recognize the need and seek to meet it before we are distracted by the failures of a sinful, fallen world. Don't get stuck on the surface level of recognizing that that is an inappropriate behavior or action, perspective, whatever it may be. It's okay to recognize that, but don't get stuck there. Go one level deeper and say, you know what? But that's the world that God has called me to. That's the brokenness. God has called me to not only recognize the brokenness, but God has called me to meet the need. I want to move forward with the next beatitude found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, which says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. One more time, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So I ask, what does it mean to be pure in heart? First, I think we would all agree that it means that you have integrity. And since it is Memorial Day weekend, I found it appropriate to use the U.S. Army's definition of integrity. U.S. Army defines integrity as this, do what's right legally and morally. Integrity is a quality that you develop by adhering to the moral principles. It requires that you do and say nothing that deceives others. As your integrity grows, so does the trust others place in you. The more choices you make based on integrity, the more this highly prized value will affect your relationships with families and friends. And finally, the fundamental acceptance of yourself. 
Having a pure heart means that you do the right things for the right reasons. You see, God is not just concerned with the right action, but he is primarily concerned with the heart behind the action. Our hearts must be set in the right place. That's what it means to be pure in heart. It means that you not only do what is right, but you do it for the right reasons. That you strive to always please God in everything you do. That's what it means to be pure in heart. That you and I strive to always bring, uh, to, to, to bring a smile to God's face. To, to please God so that on that day when we come face to face with Him, we can be greeted with this statement, Well done, good and faithful servant. They, having a, a pure heart means that you and I strive to please God in everything that we do and everything that we say. Having a pure heart means that you strive for authenticity and transparency. It means that you strive for authenticity and transparency. A pure heart goes beyond a reputation. I heard it one time from our national superintendent. He stated it like this. Reputation is what people will put on your gravestones, but godly character is what the angels will rejoice about upon your arrival. I want to pause for a moment and jump back to the fact that pure in heart means authenticity and transparency. We live in a day and age where we do everything that we can to avoid being authentic and transparent. Well, pastor, how can you say that? I'm so glad you asked. Our social media pages often give off a false perception of who we are and how we're really doing. Come on, somebody. I know somebody's getting blessed by this. Our social media pages try and per- portray this, this best look, this best life, the best image of us. What would it look like if you and I woke up first thing in the morning and took a real picture of ourselves and posted it? I think of different uh, resources digitally, such as Pinterest, which Pinterest just has a way of making you feel like everything that you have and do isn't enough. Pinterest has these picture perfect moments. As a matter of fact, there's a slogan called a Pinterest moment, which means it's perfect. And one of my favorite articles is it says Pinterest versus reality. And it's different people who have seen something on the, the website, the Pinterest website on maybe it's a project or a cooking recipe. And it says Pinterest and it shows this perfect chocolate chip cookie that has the perfect smiley face. And then it says, actually, what I attempted to do after seeing it in Pinterest, and this is how it really turned out. And it is just a pile of mush that is half cooked, half not horrible. It's kind of like... In today's generation, a representation of just how difficult it is to be authentic and transparent, right? I mean, we struggle to be authentic and transparent through text message, which has a very difficult uh, way of expressing emotions. I don't care how many emojis you use. It doesn't get down to the root of how we're really feeling, Pure in heart means that you and I strive to be authentic and transparent. That what you see is really 
who I am. My heart for God is actually a part of me. It is authentic. It is transparent. I don't have ulterior motives behind my actions that that I, I strive to represent Christ's likeness in all that I do. That's what it means to be pure in heart in a day and age when we are being taught to hide everything and hide behind a wall of social media and picture perfect moments. We are taught biblically to be authentic and transparent, not fake according to what the world tells Tells us to do. We live in a culture fixated on showing fake. And I hope that that culture that strives to show fake hasn't leaked into the church. And I hope you hear my heart with this. Friends, if we're being taught to hide behind these facades, to be hiding behind these, uh, these walls, my, my, my Instagram wall and my Facebook wall, if we're being taught to hide behind those walls and not give the authentic transparent and we're carrying that mentality to the altar, I don't know if we're really setting ourselves up in a vulnerable place so that God can break down what needs broken down and rebuild it. Amen. Somebody better be out there amening me. A pure heart means that you and I are authentic and transparent, especially with God. Scripture teaches us that the following four areas in our lives will show evidence of a pure heart. The following four areas in our lives will show evidence or lack thereof of a pure heart. First is spiritual, second is relational, third is financial. Fourth is vocational. I'm going to say that one more time. These are four areas that will show evidence of a pure heart or lack thereof. Spiritual, relational, financial, vocational. So let's break these down. First one, spiritual. Psalm 51.10 says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's the... That's the psalmist, that's David saying, I want to have a pure heart. I want to have a clean heart. Now, we recognize that the first step in having a clean heart is having relationship with Jesus. That is fundamental step number one, that you and I can remember a time in our lives where we said, Jesus, once again, come into my life. I recognize you as my Lord and Savior to Lord over my life. That's fundamental step one. One, uh, Highlight that, bold it, underline it. Fundamental step one to having a spiritually pure heart is entering into relationship with Jesus. But let's take it one step deeper. Let's take it one level deeper. A clean heart and a new spirit means this. A pure heart means this. Thoughts, desires, purpose, will, and character is under the influence and authority of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ and expresses this fact. I'm going to repeat that one more time. A pure heart means that our thoughts, desires, purpose, will, and character is under the influence and authority of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ, and therefore our actions express this truth. Secondly, 
pure in heart relationally. How you handle your relationships, friend, will reveal if you have a pure heart or not. How you handle your friendships, your, your marriage, your uh, relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, friends, what, co-workers, your relationships will reveal if you have a pure heart or not. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says this, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, here it is, friends, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Having a pure heart relationally means that gossip is beneath you. That you are building up one another in your relationships. It means that you love one another from a pure heart. So what does it mean to love one another from a pure heart? It means this, that you also seek to give in a relationship just as much as you take. That in your relationships, you are there to also give, not just take. We're hearing an alternative narrative in our day and age that we should be going to people and, 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 and just kind of taking from them and asking them their advice. And I, I rarely see articles on how you and I can pour into a relationship. Many of the articles that I see that are in circulation about friendships, dating, marriage, a lot of it outside of the Christian uh, influence, I'll just put it that way, um, deal with the topic of taking. But I want to tell you today that pure in heart in a relationship Having a healthy relationship means that you don't just have that friendship, that, that dating relationship, that marriage to take, but you are there to also invest into it. Having a pure heart relationally means that you keep your promises. To not keep a promise is another way of saying you're lying. And having a pure heart, well, pure hearts don't lie. Having a pure heart relationally means that you are a reliable individual. It means that you can be trusted, that you can keep a confidence, that you can be trusted with information that could possibly damage a person. So if somebody confides in you, maybe a struggle or something that they've held on to a long time, are you truly able to keep that between yourself and that person? Because how you handle that information or mishandle that information will reveal whether you have a pure heart or not. Thirdly, pure heart financially. How you use your finances will reveal a pure heart or lack thereof. How you and I handle and steward our finances will reveal whether we have a pure heart or not. What is a pure heart? One that trusts God. A pure heart is one that trusts God. So I ask the question, do you trust God enough that you give him your finances? That you allow him to not only lord over your life, but you allow him to lord over the things in your life. Come on, somebody. Do you spend your finances wisely? Make no mistake, mishandling finances, getting into debt, not paying it back, spending beyond your means, putting yourself or your family in a financial disposition due to compulsive spending is a lack of integrity and integrity is necessary for a pure heart. When you and I mishandle finances with compulsive, compulsive uh, spending, when you and I get into debt that we can't pay back, friend, it shows that is a lack of integrity. And in order to have a pure heart, you must have integrity. As a matter of fact, Psalm 37, 
21 says this, the wicked borrow and do not repay. Luke 14, 28 says to count the cost of things and don't spend beyond your means. And since we're on the topic of financing, I want to point this truth out that tithing is a test of a pure heart and integrity. Tithing is a test of a pure heart. Wherever you put your money first, that's what's most important to you. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not only is tithing a biblical practice, but Jesus said your heart is attached to what you value and what you hold on to. Is Jesus Lord of your life and the things in your life? Because for us to have a pure, heart, that, a pure heart, that means there is so many biblical verses that we could pull from right now. There is biblical truth upon biblical truth. That a pure heart is one that entrusts everything into Jesus' hands. Including our finances and the first fruits. The word tithe in Hebrew means a tenth. There's... I've heard arguments before, very weak arguments, that tithing is an Old Testament principle. But friend, make no mistake, there is enough biblical truth in the New Testament to validate that we are still required, we are still asked to entrust our finances into God's hands and give Him a tenth of our first fruits, a tenth of our paychecks. And I want to be a little bit transparent and authentic with you, that with, with me, it's not always easy and I do not always enjoy it. I do not always enjoy it, but then I think about this fact. Thank God that he said, I'll take 90, you keep the 10th. A pure heart is one that trusts God even in, with finances. Even with finances, a pure heart is one that trusts God with the understanding that God honors that. But ultimately, we give the 10th because it's out of an obedient heart. And an obedient heart to the Lord Jesus and His Word is a pure heart. Before we move on to our last, our last uh, point with you this morning, I just want to throw out an awesome resource for more guidance on this topic of mature uh, stewardship of finances. Uh, I just got to throw his name out there. Dave Ramsey. He's an excellent financial counselor. If you just Google him or look him up on social media, even YouTube, he has a wealth of information that is rooted in biblical truths on stewarding finances, getting out of debt. If that's an area that you find yourself in, maybe even compulsive buying, I just want to encourage you to look up his YouTube channel, Google him, research him. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And once again, all of the advice that he gives is rooted in biblical truths. Lastly, a pure heart vocationally. Work ethic will reveal a pure heart or lack thereof. Work ethic will reveal a pure heart or lack thereof. Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 through 25 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as if you were working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for the wrongdoings, and there is no favoritism. 
The beginning of that verse puts it so, so bluntly. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you were working for the Lord Jesus. Does your work ethic represent the excellence of a Christ-like character? Does your work ethic represent the excellence of Jesus? A pure heart recognizes that your work ethic is not only a witness, but a pure heart a pure heart recognizes that, to put it simply, laziness is not Christ-like. Laziness is actually another form of cheating and stealing. Now, I know that sounds a little bit extreme, and some might be saying, whoa, 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 pastor, I've never stolen from my work. But pause and hear me out. When you and I receive a check for a full week's wage, it's expected that we put in a full week's worth of work. When you and I are not putting in a full week's worth of work and we are taking a full pay, you and I are stealing. If you and I are not giving our best, we are therefore stealing time away from a business and therefore we are sabotaging someone's business. That we are hurting them. And that is not a pure heart. We could stand here for weeks on end talking about the fact that God asks us to have a dedicated, healthy work ethic. We just read about it. Everything that we do, do it for Jesus. Everything that we do, do it as if Jesus is standing right next to you because ultimately, friend, he is. Work at it with all your heart. I've seen where people in their Christ-like work ethic has given them favor beyond what they can imagine. Where there was a CEO or a manager or a, the, the boss above them noticed their work ethic and therefore they reap the benefit of a healthy work ethic. I've known businesses where larger businesses say we're only going to do business with that smaller business. Why? Because they are the most dedicated, hardworking Christians that I've ever seen. Proverbs teaches us that working hard is good stewardship of the time that God has given us. God delights in the faithful servant and mentions numerous accounts that Hard work, good work ethic leads and opens us up to receive blessings, not only from God, but just as a result of having a dedicated, healthy, good, reliable work ethic. In conclusion, our world needs Christians with pure hearts. Now more than ever. When impure hearts are the focus of a society, the focus of our media, the focus of our social media, the focus of our outlook on life, when impure hearts are constantly getting broadcast, we are often fed the message to become like that. But friend, we need Christ-like, pure-hearted Christians in today's age, to fight against the culture, to fight against this narrative now more than ever. 
pure in heart opens yourself up to receive blessings in each of these areas that we've talked about. A pure heart means that spiritually you and I are fulfilled and satisfied. A pure heart in relationships means that we have, therefore, healthier relationships. A pure heart in our finances, a hello, means that you and I have healthier finances, and I'm okay with that. A pure heart means that you and I have a healthier work experience. A pure heart, make no mistake, if you've been watching this service today and you say, well, pastor, I understand what you're saying, but I just don't understand the benefit, then friend, I don't think you've been listening closely enough. When you and I have pure, a pure heart in every one of these areas, it does take work. It does take dedication. It does take allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us and help us in one of these areas. It's not going to be easy. I'm not saying that it is, but I am saying that it's going to be worth it and that it's self-evident when you and I really start to think about these principles that as I invest into my relationships in a healthier manner, as I invest into my, into my spiritual state by opening myself up to God, as I invest into my finances by allowing the Lord to have lordship over my finances, as I allow my, my work ethic to be molded and formed by God, friend, I'm telling you, blessings follow a servant's mentality like that. As we close, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want to encourage you to align this prayer with your heart. What do I mean by that? I mean, make it your prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I want to echo what David said. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me, Lord Jesus. God, I, I, can't, I can't create a pure heart within myself by my own, my own power. I just can't. Lord, I can't do the right thing all the time under my own power. But I recognize that a pure, clean heart comes from you. And that the empowerment is provided through your Holy Spirit. So as I intellectually notice that, I just want to say, God, you have permission to mold me, shape me, break me, use me, whatever it takes, God, to have a pure heart so that on the day that I leave this earth and take my last breath and enter into heaven and I see you face to face, I can be met with those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus, I can't create a pure heart in me, but you can. So, Lord, I surrender my heart into your hands. You have permission to not only have lordship over my heart, but lordship over the things that I hold on to. Father, I pray that we would strive to have a pure heart in each and every one of these areas so that we can be a more effective church at reaching the world and showing them what Christ-like character is truly like. Now, Lord, I pray that as we go about the rest of our weekend, that we would hold on to this word, that we would soak in it, but, Lord, that we would also follow up 
by putting it into action. So God, help us to be pure in heart in every one of these areas. We give you lordship over our lives. Have your way, Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. Church, thank you so much for joining us for this weekend service. As we draw nearer to a date of reopening our church property, the physical property here, we will keep you up to date as best we can with dates and times and what that reopening process looks like. As I've mentioned in our Wednesday night devotionals, a reopening process looks like us first opening up our weekly activities, which means our weekly Bible studies, our weekly uh, men's and women's ministry nights, our prayer nights, our Royal Ranger gatherings, that those will open up first before we open up for Sunday mornings. Once again, that's tentative, uh, as I'm sure you can understand with the ever-changing information in regards to the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, everything, it, it, it might change is what I'm trying to say. So, we will keep you up to date as best we can. I look forward to the day of you walking through those doors so that we can greet one another face to face. In the meantime, let's strive to have a pure heart in each and every one of these areas. Amen, church. Amen. God bless you and God bless your family over this weekend. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at c3lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.